Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh, he broke his ankle. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast. Which New York Sports Off, Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Not a good, another good show for you this week. You're diving back into the World Cups in a very fun tournament over in Qatar. We are into the quarterfinal round here, the final 18 is trying to hoist the cup. I'm going to be joined again by our soccer guy here on the podcast, Martino Pucci. We're going to catch you up on what's been happening in the tournament thus far. So the highlights of the group stage, USA is out. We'll talk about what we learned from them and preview these quarterfinal games to get ready for the last day to try and claim the cup before it comes here in 2026. We'll talk about that in just a bit. Also do some NFL picks in week number 14. We joined by our pop culture correspondent, Sandra Rose. Talk about her Jaguars a little bit as well. I got that pick right last week. The Lions blew them out. So we'll see if I can improve on my two in one week and go ahead here and make sure you're locked in the NHL for the two minute drill where I have some thoughts on this hall of fame situation here. And I am not a big fan of, you know, the fact that Barry Bond, Rod Clemens got stubbed again. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. If you like to hear the Justin and Suffering podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platforms. You can find episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and star ratings as well to help make the podcast even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video version of the conversation with Martino and Sam are on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip here. And a bit of a wild, topsy-turvy rollercoaster day for Meta fans after Jacob DeGrom has left. We will talk about that right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, opening tip here, talking about the Mets, and they received some news on Friday night. They were not expecting Jacob DeGrom, Bolton free agency, gets a huge deal to the Texas Rangers. DeGrom, 34 years old, best pitcher on the planet, healthy. No one can dispute that. He signed a five-year deal worth $185 million for Texas as an additional 60-year option that could carry the total value of the deal of $222 million. The Mets obviously have players in keeping DeGrom. They haven't really had a three-year off on the table, around $120 million. They never got a chance to counter DeGrom, who apparently his agents let Texas know very early in the process that he wanted to go there. And I know Buck, uh, Bruce Bochy, new manager there, came out today and said on day recording, is that, oh, you know, Jacob DeGrom wants to play for a winner. He likes a billion winning culture here. Please, spare me that logic. Jacob DeGrom not going to Texas because he's interested in the fact that you have a winning culture. You won 68 Kings last year, and that's won 101. He went because you gave him potentially $100 million more than the Mets have if he gets that sixth year. That's exactly why he left. That is not because you have a winning culture. This is a complicated situation here where multiple things can be true. For the Mets fan, it sucks that Jacob DeGrom left because this guy is on a Hall of Fame track if he stays healthy and he puts together some more good, couple more good years. You need the greatest pitcher the franchise has seen since Tom Seaver. It's him or Doc. It's very clear. This team does not have a good track record of keeping their stars for their entire careers. I mean, look at it. Tom Seaver, they traded away. Darrell left in free agency. Doc left in free agency. Jose Reyes left in free agency. 
they kept right, but he got hurt. Like they have not had the wire to wire like star player from start to finish. See Degrom choose to leave, especially when the Mets finally got their acts together and started putting a winner together around him. That does sting. At the same time, though, the Mets probably would not have matched this deal from the Rangers, even if they were given the choice to do so. Steve Cohen, the new owner here, he is a Mets fan, but he is worth $14 million because he's a smart businessman, and he's not sentimental. Look at the logic on this one here. Jacob DeGrom is 34 years old, and he missed a full calendar year with various injuries from July 2021 to August 2020. Including potential UCL issue in his elbow, which again there was unclear about that. Sandy all said there was an issue with it. Degrom said it was fine. A guy who throws as hard as Jake does. And remember, he's a guy who's picked up the loss. He's gotten older. He throws 101 miles an hour. He likes to throw hard. He has any sliders in the ninth low 90s. That's an extreme injury risk. Giving him five years. That's not a smart investment to, to assume that kind of backside risk. The Mets won 101 games last season. To be fair. Jacob DeGrom won five of those games. He made 11, 12 starts. The Mets will definitely miss the potential of Jacob DeGrom being held for 25 starts and dominating. But in terms of, you know, actually replacing what he did in 2022, it's not as hard as you would think. And they did a good job replacing him. Probably as good a job as they could have in the circumstances. They went out and got Justin Verlander. He's 39 years old, but he's fresh on Cy Young. The Astros helped them win the World Series. Most officially, he's 45 because he's got 244 career wins, trying to get to 300. He signs a two-year deal on Monday worth $86.6 million, $43.3 million a year, based on the Max Scherzer deal, a vesting option for the third year. There is some risk here, obviously, because Justin Verlander is older than Jacob around by five years. But he's more likely to stay healthy. There is certainly age risk as well because, again, going to be 40 in February. You know how much longer he's going to be an elite level. But the brilliant thing about this, it's a two-year contract. It's a short-term, high-average salary contract. That's what they did with Max Scherzer. This is a win-now team. These are win-now moves. You get these two studs at the top rotation. If they're good for two years, you have a great chance to win the World Series. If they're not, you're out of it pretty quick. You have a chance to start over again. As opposed to if they went after Carlos Rodon, who's the other big ace on the market, who was left after DeGrom. Rodon is 30. So he's the kind of guy who says, okay, I'd give this guy five, six years. He can be here for a while. But his injury history is worse than Jacob DeGrom's. He's had a lot of issues over the years. He's had one very dominant, healthy year. And he also has a qualifying offer attached, which it may not seem like a big deal, but for a Mets team that's trying to build a sustainable winner, signing Radon would have meant you give up two draft picks over a million dollars in your international bonus pool money. That's no small thing to try and build a sustainable winner. The Mets have been trying to rebuild that farm system. They're very hesitant to go into that top-tier prospect. So they want to be able to eventually not have to spend at the top of the market for everybody they need and just, you know, be able to plug in guys that the Dodgers do. The Verlander deal gives them that ace. They have the ability to go get a center fielder, whether it's Brandon Nimmo or bring in a bat, a bat to fill that position. They need another number pitcher here. I'd like to get the guy from Japan, Kodai Senga, who they're into, Jameson Tyone, another guy they could look at. They could look at some bats to bolster the lineup here. But there's a lot of options to go with the Mets, but getting Verlander is a big, big, big first step. Very important for them to sort of right the ship here and do as well as they could with the ground leaving. There was only one guy they could get. They got the guy. That's a sign of progress. With that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're going to talk to Martina Pucci about the World Cup right after this clip of Kylian Mbappé's goal in the round of 16, his first goal against Poland, courtesy of 
Fox Sports. So again, Kylian Mbappe's goal here from the World Cup. Now Giroud, Dembele to his right, Mbappe to his left. Dembele trying to get the sprint here with Barashinsky. He's already got a yellow card. Mbappe's wide open. Here he is, Kylian Mbappe! Up front, waiting for this chance to develop. France clear their lines, goes straight to Giroud at the end of this. He brings it down and turns, 3v3, open field. Get it to Dembele. Poland can't get numbers back and ultimately comes to the feet of the man who's just walking back and waiting for this. All right, we are back here talking World Cup soccer here. We are getting ready for the quarterfinals to begin tomorrow. Joining me today to break it all down, we previewed the World Cup with him. He's doing a lot of soccer content over on Twitter. Martino Puccio is here. Martino, how are you? Good, good. Um, winter meetings slow as heck in baseball. <laughs> I don't really like it. Picked up a little bit, but... I mean, the contrast between the NFL and NBA's offseason and Major League Baseball is like just the epitome of what like people view the sport as. It's just slow and boring <laughs> for so many. Like I, like the offseason sucks. I know that's not what we're here to talk about, but it just has to be said. Hard to disagree in the winter meetings, though. I mean, considering we, at the winter meetings, we got Justin Verlander, Xander Bogarts, Aaron Judge back with the Yankees on huge contract, uh, Turner. Like there was a lot of stuff happening. Yeah, there's four players. I mean, Xander last night, but like, like, come on, like they go, they go in spurts in the NBA. Like everything happens at once. The NFL is like everything happens at once. We need more collusion. We need, we need more of that. Like we forget Edwin Diaz was like on the first second. And then that was like the only really thing or only, only real thing that went down fast. That was like, okay, that's great. But like the rest is like dragging out like these contracts for these players to get two to three years just to redo it all over again. You know what I mean? It's just so, so silly to me. So it sounds like you want, you want more tampering the NBA has. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> come on. If, if Like, what are we doing here? Like, what, remember when Bryce Harper signed in like right by spring training and we're like, are you kidding me? Like, okay, Porto didn't even sign last year. I know he got hurt, but like. My God, like, you know, like you, then you start to forget about these stars and then then that like kind of leaks into the season. Then you're like, you know, I don't know. I just they, they suck at that. They got to fix that period. Yeah, I think they do here. Let's get to the World Cup, though, which is why you're here. And I got to say, I've been mm-hmm. locked in this tournament. I've had a lot of fun with it. I feel like they, the group stage, I feel like as a whole, was so much more wild. Than it's been in like more recent. Years. I think a lot of big upsets, a lot of like big teams losing. We saw also surprising teams get out of groups and teams get left out. Mm. Yeah, I mean, on the third match day, the final match day, we had 30 out of 32 teams have the possibility of advancing to the next round. That's exactly what you want. You want that type of chaos. You know, Qatar and Canada, unfortunately, didn't get to have that. But, I mean, it was just great. The Jap- uh, Japan, Germany, Spain, group of death pretty much proved to be so. Um, and even Costa Rica got a got a win in there against the group winners. Just totally bizarre and how that went down. Even Australia doing what they did with that miracle run. Denmark being a disappointment. Um, you know, the drama between Ghana, Uruguay, South Korea. There was just so much going on in it. And it was good. It was good matches. They were good matches. Like some some people, you know, were kind of tired of the zero zero score lines that were happening, but those were still good games. But at the same time, match day three was so much more than that. We had so many different types of goal scorers, different types of goal situations. You know, some teams rested some of their players. So that was kind of boring, but that's something that you have to do. 
Uh, but man, that was awesome. Easily better than the past three world cups, uh, for sure. Uh, maybe 2010 had a more electrifying group stage. 2014 had its moments, but 2018, this is, it's, it's blown 2018 out of the water already, to be quite honest with you. Um, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely here. I do think it was also interesting. I think in terms of like the biggest losers group, I mean, like I still find it bizarre that Belgium was number two in the FIFA rankings. Mm-hmm. October did not even get out of their group. Exactly why I told you FIFA rankings don't matter. And why I also said they're like Gonzaga. I just, the rankings don't mean a thing. It gets proven in every single tournament. They're the most hyped team to never do anything ever. Um, It's like, honestly, if, if like the, the fab five only made the sweet 16, (laughs) you know, or like the elite eight, like at least the fab five was in title games at the very least. Belgium never saw a title game. Um, Nations League, whether it's um, or even if they were in the Nations League final, they lost it. Um, they didn't make a World Cup final. They didn't make a Euro final. Um, they were really pathetic and disappointing. Like, think about it. Italy, in their time, missing two World Cups, still won a Euro in between that. Belgium's never won that in their history, and this was supposed to be their golden generation. I think it speaks volumes to where they're at. They were beefing within the locker room. That's why I didn't like them. Um, granted I did have Canada coming out of the group instead of Morocco, but just truly pathetic, honestly, just a truly pathetic showing from them. And in Hazard has retired from international play now. And, uh, I mean, maybe they retool, they have some young talent on the team, but they really need to fix a lot. Yeah. I would say this, the group stage as a whole, I felt like went really well for like, uh, uh, Africa and, a- and Asia, especially getting a lot of their teams yeah. through, and like Concacaf aside from US was a flop, and your and uh, Combo Bowl didn't do much either. I I didn't even expect that much from Concacaf. I thought you know we we could maybe see two teams. Um, I thought we were the favorite out of the group out of all of us. Mexico was always just that type of experience, but I never liked them. They were a bad team. They proved to be a bad team. That's the first time they didn't make it out of the group in decades. Um, common ball. I mean, listen, Ecuador put up a hell of a fight just to almost get out. Um, you know, they, that was unfortunate for them, but you know, Argentina and Brazil really just lead that, you know, conference. If there's not much else left to say about it, I, I think everyone that's kind of tuned into Copa America has seen some of these other teams, Uruguay, disappointing, probably the biggest disappointment out of that conference for sure. Just the goal scoring was lacking. They did too little too late in the final round. Um, but credit to Morocco here. Morocco's the story of the tournament. They're your St. Peter's. Um, they were, they always had a good team. That's why I did think like, it, uh, their group was the group of death, like low key, one of them, that was a very good group. I didn't expect this. Uh, I would be lying to you if I expected this. Um, but they have players on that team. That's not shocking. Ziyech Amrabat who plays in Italy, uh, for Fiorentina, and then you have, I mean, their goalkeeper has been the real revelation that not too many people had known prior to on the big stage. But this is this has been a talented team. And Hakimi is one of the best wingbacks and fullbacks in the world. Like that, like there is, there's no denying that. There's reasons he gets sold for 80 million euros. Like he's one of the best fullbacks in the world. He's incredibly young. They did really well in AFCON too. It's not like they were just some pushover side. This is this is why I was saying as well, AFCON deserved more respect going into this tournament um, because maybe some of the bigger names didn't show up, but they're progressing so damn well, and it's really, really impressive to see. It absolutely is here. Let's talk about Team USA here because obviously mm-hmm. they, they get to the group stage. They 
they have two they have two draws in there. They hold England scoreless. Yeah. They beat Iran to get through, and then they flop against the Netherlands. And again, they probably could have won, probably should have won, but a couple more plays are made here. I'll talk about like what happened and like what we should look forward to with them if they get ready for twenty six. I think they could. I think they deserve to lose badly. I think the scoreline was was like it was fu- their fundamental defensive flaws that we knew we were eventually going to catch up to them. It caught up to them in two games, right? Walker Zimmerman fouling Gareth Bale for the penalty was a disaster. Despite having a good match, you just like it's so grotesque to see that kind of mistake being made on a player like that in that area of the pitch. Um, and then on top of it. You know, the finishing wasn't there. This is what I said I was terrified about. The finishing was so bad. They were fortunate enough to get that one goal. Pulisic should have scored the goal that he scored. Their manager was completely, Greg Berhalter was completely undressed by Louis Van Hall. And Louis Van Hall, this is why, again, trying to tell, you know, the average, you know, like American who's hopping onto the World Cup, Louis Van Gaal is one of the greatest managers in the sports history. This guy's a genius, okay? What he's doing is not anything short of, you know, surprising. And and he has the talent to do it. This is, I I said, Serbia was one of my dark horses along with the Netherlands. And I was dead wrong on Serbia, but this is what Netherlands offers. They they could head to the semifinals. They have a very good chance of beating Argentina. Um, But Team USA, the midfield was amazing amazing Yunus Musa the surprise player like I told people about him and Tyler Adams Tyler Adams um not too far away from where you live by the way went to Roy C Ketchum in Westchester so I know there's some Westchester listeners Uh, my cousins went to that high school so so they know they they know like the family and everything so it's really cool to see New Yorkers like that the decision not to play Gio Reyna more minutes was absolutely devastating again another reason to not back Burhalter the team should have been doing what they're doing right now. Right. I don't think you reward an extra world cup for Greg Berhalter. If you see him just do the minimum, they needed to shock us. They needed to see what Morocco is doing, you know, to warrant that for me personally, the whole landscape is going to change. Um, We'll see what happens with the Copa America situation. If they're going to have them in there, they've been in it in the past. I think it's better when there's no World Cup qualifiers. You can bind the tournament on its own. There's going to be so many more quality teams that make the knockout stages of the World Cup facing off against each other. And there's no shame in that. It's just the way football is on this side of the world. And I think that just makes everybody else better in the long run by, by the amount of players that are, you know, just getting better. And to be honest, you don't know what, what's going to hold in 2026, right? Everyone thought it was all over in 2018. And then we're talking about four years later, four and a half years later, we're seeing these kids, these group of players that are incredibly young. They were thriving on one of the biggest stages. They, they played the best match England has had to have faced so far. And that's a team that's one win away from a semifinal. I think there was a lot of good and a lot of positives to take away but there is still a lot to work on, but it's a completely different outlook compared to 2014. And that's what matters. And I think the progression that that it's taking the progression that MLS and the academies will be taking within the next four years. um, I think it's all changing for the better and you never know what could happen. You really, you really don't. Four years is a very long time. Maybe these players develop even better than we thought. Yeah, I think there's two things, obviously, here. Obviously, you mentioned one, the lack of finishing, lack of number nine. That one, not really much you can do about it, apart from hoping the guys you got either develop or, like, 
there's like a 14 year old on a, an academy right now we don't know about who ends up being a star by the time 26 yep. rolls around and the Greg Borhalter thing though I mean I've already seen they're already talking about giving an extension which I'm not a big fan of because especially I mean Levon Gall after the Netherlands games he said yeah like they weren't doing nothing that we weren't expecting and they didn't make many adjustments here like if I'm listening to that like I shouldn't be I should be like screaming in the U.S. like uh, Federation like we need to make a change get somebody more like tactically inclined in here but they're gonna think yeah. lean a nepotism and be sort of like you know well he's building the program so therefore we should not risk messing with it i think don't think they should mess with it well it doesn't guarantee for you well there are a couple of things right like so the important part to know and not that you were saying this but just he could be he could be he could be fired before that immediate sacking after this world cup he's not going to the justification is there that he did his job so they can't fire him off of that. If they didn't make it out of the groups and they failed to score goals, then he was gone, right? Um, they still played good. I think he's been a pretty good coach, but I think his limitations were always there, and that's why people didn't want a manager with limitations. You want someone better. That's why you know, a hiring of Jurgen Klinsmann at the time was important. And I think Jurgen was, is still one of the most important guys to ever come through us football. Like there's no, there's no denying that. Um, but as far as things go, like, yeah, I mean, listen, I don't even think Matt Turner will be the goalkeeper in 2026. This kid um, that came in from Chicago, uh, Gabriel Salina, he's going to Chelsea. He's one of the youngest signings that you'll see. That might be Chelsea's goalkeeper of the future. We're talking about one of the biggest teams in the world having an American forefronting that. And Team USA always does well with goalkeepers. Um, Matt Turner was awesome. Obviously infamous for his highlight against our Iona Gales, um, which is the best video I like to go around. John Stanko and uh, I believe Steve were both filming that or, or working that game. So that's just a cool note. But Louis Van Hall, like what he was saying with that is, I think partial to Greg, but also partial to our players are not good enough because you not marking Memphis to pie in the first goal has nothing to do with the manager. That has everything to do with the players, not knowing how to mark the best goal scorer on the field. That's a problem, right? It's like, leaving Randy Moss wide open in the end zone. Like it, it, I don't care who the coach is. That should never be a thing. That should never be a thing. You think the coach's scheme is to say, you know, yeah, let's leave Randy wide open. Listen, the, these players have limitations. They're very young. When, when a manager knows how to, you know, spot weaknesses in a team and use it against them, you know, that's what the Dutch do. The Dutch are, again, they highlighted a lot in the Fox uh, press conferences. It's the best country to never win a world cup. And that is, could never be more true. And, you know, they continue to show why they're one of the smartest countries in terms of tactics. And this is, this is another example. Yeah, absolutely here. Let's talk a look at some of the quarterfinals here coming up here. I mean, we got two games tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, two games mm-hmm. on Saturday. So it says up here, let's start out with the uh, Croatia Brazil game. It's the first game of the round, I believe. Yeah, it is. And this one, I think won't be pretty to Croatia. I think they'll play decent, but this is a matter of quality and the, and the difference there is astounding. There's been proper rest for Brazilian players. They didn't play 120 minutes. Make no mistake. Croatia deserves all the respect in the world. I will. I do think they are going to make this tough, but Brazil should win this pretty easily. It should be a two to one, a two, nothing, a three to one score line where they're in complete control of this game. It would be an incredible upset if Croatia were to win this. I don't anticipate that. I think Croatia went as far as they could. 
a quarterfinals with their core and how much older they are compared to the past, I think it's been a success. And again, Brazil is the favorite for a reason. They just embarrassed South Korea. Uh, and I'm not taking too much stock into South Korea being that good, but they did take care of it as soon as possible. That game was over in 13 minutes. That was not much else left to say about that one. Yeah, that's for sure. The second game to, on tomorrow here, Netherlands and the Argentina and Argentina mm-hmm. here. I know RC was your pre pre tournament pick to win the thing. I that you know it sounds like you're going back on that. Um, listen, I I stick to my gut because of what happened in 2018 when I said for a couple of years that France would win, and then I switched to Brazil. So that's this is why I stick to my guns. But yeah, I mean, listen, this is Argentina. If you told me they're out on this round, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, just by the way they're playing, their defense has been horrendous. That midfield has also been horrendous, a little bit better against Poland, a little bit better against Australia, but those are weaker sides. These are not sides that I'm impressed by these performances. Messi is playing amazing, and that's what matters sometimes in this sport, is that you just need one guy to score the one goal or make the great pass or run in order to open things up for your team. They have the players that can still do the damage. Playing guys like Enzo Fernandez and Julian Alvarez have been massive and and integral. This is why I was... I was calling for it on almost every preview show for betting because it was ruining my bets that they weren't in there because of the score lines. Lautaro Martinez, who I thought would be the top scorer in this tournament, I thought it would be a hot version of him. It's the cold version, and they can't have the streaky version if they want to win the World Cup. You know, Australia almost came back and tied that match. It shouldn't have been the case if Lautaro finishes his chances. That's a problem. Um, If that keeps you know, like snowballing into something bigger, then there's no chance Argentina beat the, beat the Dutch, the midfield advantage and defensive battle easily goes to the Dutch. I think their goalkeeper is playing better. Um, And listen, they can score an attack. Cody Gakpo has been one of the revelations of the tournament in terms of younger players that haven't been boasted about enough and they still have Memphis to and they have a better manager. Um, That's where the advantages lie. But again, as we know, uh, just because you have all that doesn't mean you win. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. We'll see. What I think, I think, Arge- I think Argentina win. I'm going just, I'm riding on the messy magic, but again, this is like for sure out of all the matches. I think this is like, truthfully, if I were to look at it objectively without the biases I have, I think the Netherlands would be the main underdog to win. All right. Out of the quarterfinals. Let's go to uh Saturday morning here, the Cinderella of the tournament, Morocco, first African side to make, reach this stage of the tournament since Ghana, I think in 2010, 2006, 2010, I don't know what year it was. 2010, 2010, yeah. 2010, they get to the first time there. They up, they beat Spain on penalty. It's probably the game of the round, in my opinion. They, they, mm. They're facing off against Portugal's side that did not start Cristiano Ronaldo there. I'm going to lead to some chaos in the locker room here. What do you think about that game? Well, this is this is one of the reasons why I was kind of off on Portugal was because does Fernando Santos make the decisions that put Portugal best position to win? And he finally did it. And I'm stunned. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, there's no disrespect to him. Everyone ages like this. It's harder to accept because he had a good season last year, but there were signs already on the wall. Um then he hasn't played much this season. He's not really in that shape. And as you could see with the one offside goal that he scored, he was five meters offside. He's like, he can't run him behind the defense. He can't create off the dribble like he used to. Um, his finishing has been so subpar. Mix all of those things in for someone who doesn't also press 
it's an issue and it takes away because you saw how much more dynamic they were against a side in the Swiss that are known for their defense, known for being defensively organized. And they undressed them. They destroyed them. Cody, I mean, uh, Console Ramos had the first knockout stage hat trick since 1990. That says something. Cristiano Ronaldo, Mike, in his career has never scored a knockout stage goal in the World Cup. That's astonishing for who people think is the best player of all time, for one of the greatest players of all time. It's astonishing. Gonzalo Ramos got more than that in one match. There's just no way you go back to it. You can't go back to Ronaldo now. You have him off the bench. You have Cristiano Ronaldo off your bench. That's a weapon no one else has. That's still a positive. Um, But what you just did works. You're just clearly better. You dropped six on a team that would never... You would never think to have six goals scored on them, even if they played poorly. That just you wouldn't expect that. Um, so for me, I, I, I do see um, Portugal winning this. Morocco, Morocco has everything that, that they can push, but the depth of, of Portugal here is just going to prove to be too much. I think this new formation is everything for them. This that what Portugal has just done can propel them to win their first World Cup. Like this, I think value wise, right now. Portugal, if you're a betting person, is by far the best. I mean, I think France is fantastic too. Portugal and France, you go and take those. That's where the value is. Brazil, not worth betting on um, unless you really, 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 truly believe that. And then Argentina's in the rear view mirror. They're the most overpriced for sure. But my goodness, Portugal, what this could have been the most important decision in Portuguese football history. And that says something. So we'll see how it goes. But I, I do think they win this one like 2 nothing. All right. Last uh, match of the round here. I think, in my opinion, the probably the, the most interesting match of the casual fan here. France-England yeah. rematch the 2018 uh, semifinal that uh, France ends up winning on their way to the World Cup title here. What do you think happens here? Um, well, well, yeah, no, it was, uh, it, it was England and Croatia in the semifinal. Oh, we, we, I was right. We wide France and England. We didn't get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, France and England. I think this one is definitely the most fun on paper. I think they're pretty evenly matched in most areas, aside from the midfield. I actually do think the English had the advantage. I think Deschamps is a better manager than Gareth Southgate, even though I respect Southgate, but he's kind of his time is running uh, its course over there. So I think he's gone after this tournament. For me, Jude Bellingham is everything. Um, does Jude Bellingham put his stand? It's Jude versus Chuameni. Um, in the midfield battle. Whoever has a better match is likely to propel or help their team win. And again, France has had some of the best players this World Cup. Griezmann, Giroud has been scoring like crazy. I mean, Teo Hernandez, who plays for AC Milan, my team, he's the best left back in the world, and they put him on as a substitute. This team has lost five separate players or five players that are incredible players, and yet they're still one of the favorites to win this tournament. They could still do it. They have the best player in Kylian Mbappe, who, again, is the Pele of our generation. He, If he wins this World Cup, Mike, he is the best international player since him, in my opinion, or, or R9, Ronaldo. I think that's probably a little bit more fair and respectful to him. What he is doing at the age of 24 on the international stage is – is unforeseen. It hasn't been seen since Pele. Like he's that good. He could he could easily. If you told me to, I know I know I've said this about a couple of teams now, but that's how good some of them are, and some of the players and some of the teams. But if you told me right now, 
Like the rest of the tournament just goes killing Mbappe just takes over and scores a bunch. I'd be like, yeah, probably. I mean, we're talking about a kid who carried them in the knockout stages in 2018 at the age of 19 years. And now he's doing it in his mid to early 20s. I like that's he's taking over games. He's taking over games. Um, what they did to to Poland, the way they were sitting back and playing, the way he's creating, the link up play with Teo Hernandez. Like, I don't think England handles that. I'm sorry. I just don't. I, I just think it's a clearly better attack. England had some issues dealing with the high intensity of Team USA. So it's not to say that England is like this fully impenetrable team that people are kind of leaning towards because they had a great knockout stage game against Senegal. That's awesome. It's great. They've been deep into these tournaments before. Do you have the best player? No. Do they have enough to beat them? Absolutely. It comes down to England's mental fortitude, and that's been in question for a while. I think certain players have made the leap, but again, like a guy like Harry Kane, you don't rely upon for that. That guy is not a big match type of player. Harry Kane is very, very similar to, I would say, Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins with somewhat better regular season numbers. But when the biggest moment of moments pops up, you're inclined to feel that that person will fail. And so Harry Kane, Kirk Cousins, like the Matt Ryans of the world, you always feel like they're going to come up short, right? Like, I'm sure there's an NBA player that you feel about that. I would say Paul George as well. Um, but yeah, this is this is the reality of this situation is that England just need to put up or shut up because this right here is 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 the ultimate game for Gareth Southgate. If Gareth Southgate takes down England or France, it's a massive success. They should be getting to the World Cup final because uh, I do I do think that they 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 should have a case to beat Portugal, um, considering how the how the media props them up. I would probably still pick Portugal because I don't, I don't trust England in that. But seriously, this is by far, if you were to tell someone, how do I get into the sport? How do I find something interesting enough to make me like it? This is the game for you. This is the one. All right. So we'll put this out here. Let's let's play the bracket out here. So if you, Martinez right. filling out the bracket right now, how is how is the rest of the tournament go? Um. Well, yeah, yeah. So I, good thing I just did a video on this yesterday. I have uh, Portugal and France meeting up. Then I have Argentina and Brazil meeting up. Unfortunately, I have – do you want me to go through the rest, right? So you, can go, the final? you can go all the way through. Go all the way through? Okay. Uh, Brazil making the final. Unfortunate for Messi. I don't think he ever gets it. If Messi does get it, then, like, nobody can ever question that man, ever. Um, then I would say, oh, man, France versus Portugal would be incredible. But I, I think France would win. Um, I think Mbappe is the difference, but, but if you told me Portugal and the fight, like I could easily be wrong on that easily, easily, but Porch, uh, sorry, Brazil versus France. Um, good Lord. I, I think, I think I'm going to go Brazil. I think I'm going to go Brazil. I think that's where they meet their match. That's just like a team mentally all the way there. They have the depth. They have the proper 11 to fit with that Brazil top to bottom, man. I mean, it's just, they're the safest and they, it, it does also like you always worry about Neymar. If Neymar, if Neymar is playing in healthy Brazil, win this world cup, that's the way it should play out. Neymar is that good. Neymar is 
Man, if like if like Penny Hardaway had a had a greater career and wasn't injured as much and was in those like MVP conversations constantly, but was still injured so much to not win that award, if that makes sense, you know, like always like a top five candidate, but the injuries hinder them. Neymar is special. Um, and he's also one goal away from tying Pele all time to put it into context of how special of a player he is. But also, that would also be the, the most watched final of all time. No doubt. Neymar versus Mbappe, two club teammates that reportedly beef with each other often. That's amazing. Yeah, certainly. That would be the most watched, yeah. Yeah, that certainly is amazing. And it's also going to be on a Sunday morning prior to NFL <laughs> football in America. So, like, that's going to be also a challenge. I mean, they, they got a 10 a.m. kick, like, so... It should be. I was invited to go to the Jets Lions game that get day, and I can't. I can't go to it because of the final at that time. Yeah, you gotta be. It sucks. Yeah, you gotta be on the ball. You gotta be extremely about that about the World Cup. It was. It was the biggest football dilemma of my life, and I chose the World Cup over the Jets in a playoff race. So that's probably the good career decision. It's a better career decision, (laughs) indeed. Yeah. It's crazy to think about 26 too, because it's going to be the last World Cup with just 32 teams, because now they're going to 40 for 26. I feel like that's going to be such a mess the way they execute it. I hate it. Three team groups is stupid. Um, the knockout rounds are expanded, they don't carry as much weight as they should. Um, nah, I think they're going to fix the structure of it. I think they're going to try and go back to four team groups. Because I don't think that's going to work. I think it's going to be a failure. I'm going to be honest I with think you. I don't. I think it's, they said it's not finalized. It could go to four. I think they have to go to four. Otherwise, you're going to run the risk of like if teams two and three need the they can figure out oh we can just game the result to get into the next round. Both of us, they could they'll just do it. Yeah. I, if anything, they might just adopt what UEFA did at the Euros, where the third place team gets through, or a handful, or half the third place teams get through, and then you just have that play out. But we'll see. We'll see. You never know, FIFA. FIFA is a criminal organization, so you never know what could happen there. I mean, I watched the whole FIFA Uncovered documentary on Netflix, and boy, oh boy, there was a lot of uh, BS going on in that organization. So, and you, yeah, oh, well, this is now, now since you're well-informed on it, instead of me would having to explain it to you. So now that you know, how much does FIFA make the NCAA look like a misdemeanor charge? Make the NCAA look like choir boys. <laughs> that's 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 exactly what i'm saying so like when anytime i see some like you know because we obviously watch the college sports around here but anytime we see some scandal i'm like okay that's i've seen way worse so like this you know i i find it fascinating but we'll we'll see if they're even with fifa anymore by then you know it's, uh, there's that mess as well so yeah i mean I was, i've always joked offline that people said like the three worst organizations in sports are fifa the ioc and the ncaa and the ncaa now is clearly behind fifa in my eyes uh yeah yeah it's they 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 shocked your power rankings with how sh- shitty they are as people yeah i mean listen most of them are out now but I know we all know what's going down over there. It ain't, it ain't, that just doesn't, it's not an overnight swift. Oh, rest a couple of guys. That's a systemic thing there. And uh, who knows if that'll ever get fixed. But again, I mean, you know, they put on the best tournament in the world. So yeah, they certainly do. Martino. Thanks a lot of time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, people follow you on Twitter. If they want to keep up with some of your soccer coverage for the uh, remainder of the world cup. Yeah, you just follow me at Martino Puccio. Um, I do recaps of everything on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram as well. So you can just follow that at Martino Puccio as well. 
um, yeah, a, a lot of more video informational type of things to get better context on stuff. Um, and you could see a lot of people arguing in the comments. That's always fun when there's arguments in the comments, Martina. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. No problem, Mike. Thanks. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for week number 15 or here, 14 or here, excuse me. We are getting close to the end of the season. Join me today to break it all down. She's usually here for pop culture correspondent, but today she's here talking about her Jaguar. Sandra is here. Sam, how are you? Great. I literally can't believe it's week 14. It feels like the season just started. I know. I'm sitting here today. I was thinking about it like, man, like I just remember when the Bills kicked off the opener, like on September. Now we're really a couple weeks away from Christmas. Yeah, I just I literally feels like it's coming to like the final like wire. It's coming to the Jets Jags game uh, on the 22nd. So it's like so soon. Yeah, I know that that game is a lot of fun. More meaningful for my team than your team right now. But I want to talk about your team here first. So tell me if you're for a second. Obviously, this season, they've been better. Not great, but they have improved. So like, uh, what do you think about what you've seen out of them so far? Um, so so far, they're typical Jaguars. I'm sorry to laugh because this is just typical every every season. It's like there's they build some momentum and then they lose it. Like not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before that when they played the Ravens, it's like boom, last second, built this giant momentum, and then they go into Detroit and now it's that terrible what forty to fourteen. Yeah. So it's like it's like oh great, like you could see like the the gears in motion and everything. And then boom, done. They like completely blow it the next game. Yeah. Which is Jaguars fashion. Yeah. I had a feeling about that game. I mean, we'll talk about it a bit. I did love the lines in that game. Cause I know like they had the big win over jazz. We talked about it off the air. Like, Oh, this is fun. You know, great stat, like first most historic win in France. So they go on the road as a favorite. And then all of a sudden you're tuning in on Sunday, at one o'clock, you're sitting there just going, what the hell's going on out here? And they're like buried pretty early. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think I don't know why they were favorited to win, to be honest with you, because I wouldn't even have bet like with the Jaguars winning. So, I mean, that's just maybe it's I'm a pessimist, but that's just <laughs> that's just my opinion. I think you're a realist. You sort of sense like, OK, like, let's show me you you, you run that status. Yeah, exactly. All right. So obviously, I mean, right now we are talking they are four and seven. They are. They're heading to Tennessee this week, but like, I feel like they still have some time this season trying to make some things happen. What do you hope to see out in the last couple of weeks? Um, personally, uh, this is going to come as an attack to you, but I don't mean it that way. I just really want them to win at MetLife on the 22nd prime time, just by like a, you know, Hail Mary that they win. Um, but against, um, Tennessee, I'm, they don't normally play super, super well in Tennessee like yes they've had I think like one or two upsets listen it's hard to catch a Jaguars yeah. game literally in New York but um <laughs> but I'm I don't think they're gonna win this week um but maybe things will get into motion and hopefully a week after and they'll end the season out strong who knows you don't know about we don't know about football who knows if they're gonna make the postseason <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of time left for things to happen here. But I will say, in terms of this week's game, I think you're right, unfortunately, because Tennessee got smoked in Philly on Sunday. And then they're coming home. They're going to be pissed off. Not a pretty spot for the Jaguars to be in. 
No, and then they're their biggest rivals. So, you know, they're going to have that extra momentum to beat Jacksonville. So it's like even more fuel to the fire. Yeah, that's for sure here. Let's get to the picks, which is the reason why you are here this week. I was joined in week number 13 by a good friend of my team, my softball team, Joey Castellano. We did some picks, so I'm going to share the screen so you can see what we came up with last week. Uh, Joey went 2-1 and one a week. He had his Vikings laying three against my Jets. They won that game. He had the Falcons laying a point against the Steelers at home. They lost that game. He had the Raiders winning, laying a point against the Chargers. They got they they won the game outright. So good job by them. Two and one for for him. So on the season 18, 20, and one. So Joey had a good week. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I also went two and one last week. I mentioned as I mentioned earlier, I took the Lions getting a point against the Jaguars. They won running away. I took the Giants getting two and a half since they tied. They covered the number. I did get that one. I lost in the Seahawks. I can't believe the Seahawks only won by four against the Rams. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting game. Yeah, that certainly was. Two and one on the year on the week on the year of sixteen and twenty three. So not good for me this year. I'm trying to get the ship back together. It's not that bad either. I probably would have guessed nothing. We'll see how my picks go next week when you can everybody can make fun. Yeah, let's let's get to those picks now. So let's start out here as the guess. You can go first. Where are you going? Pick number one. All right, I'd say Eagles minus six and a half. Um. I honestly think that the two teams are going to go in opposite directions. Uh, so that's just that's just my guess. Um, I had a hard time picking this week just because uh, of busy work. Um, yeah. But that's my first pick. Yeah, well, be fair. We are recording on Monday, so it's not entirely your fault. We have to do this fit in schedule-wise first. A couple <laughs> reasons we'll get to later on here. But I do like this pick. I do think the Eagles are playing very well. The Giants, that's a killer the way they I, that game slipped away. Didn't get the tie. Let's see a little bit of a hangover here this week. Just because the Eagles are fired up. Yeah. All right. Where are you going with your next one? Uh, I'm going to do 49ers minus three and a half. Um, I truly think that, like, I don't think the Buccaneers have that chance against San Francisco. Um, you know, I'm probably wrong. Uh, but <laughs> that's how, like, you know, this is how the season has been yeah. so far at 14. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tampa's not been that good either. The 49ers, I really did lose Jimmy G for the season yesterday, the broken flip, but the guy that put in Brock Purdy looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean, so far. I mean, we'll see how he holds up this uh, this week. Yeah, I mean, they're home. They got a defense. They got Christian McCaffrey. I think they, I think they can find a way to win this game. <laughs> I hope yeah. so, unless I'm going to go for 0 for 3. <laughs> All right, so you give your third pick. Where are you going with that one? All right, third one, I'm going to do Rams uh, plus 6 against Las Vegas. I don't think the Raiders are as good as the team of Rams um, and the Rams are home. So, I mean, I know that's like very safe picks for me this week, but those are where I'm going at. <laughs> yeah, I think the Ram one is interesting because I see they have all the guys hurt, but they are playing hard. I could see this being a, a short week letdown for the Raiders. I do think this is, they've been hot. I don't trust that team at all. So I, I like the logic. Well, thank you. <laughs> all, right. all right, your picks are on the board. I'm up now here. Pick number one. I'm going to take my team, the Jets, getting nine in Buffalo. I feel like it's complete disrespect from the sports books here. I feel like they won this game a couple weeks ago. They beat the Bills in their 13 half point underdogs. The Bills don't have Von Miller. The Jets have a better quarterback situation than they had. Please, Mike White over Zach Wilson here. They might not win this game. I think nine is too many. I'm going to take the points to the Jets. All right. I mean, I don't know. I would be going for uh, the Bills, but that's just me. All right, let's pick one. Pick two. Kansas City is going to murder Denver this week. They are laying nine points here. The Broncos have the worst offense in football by far. I have a fun fact for you. I hear this one. 
Oh, definitely. Uh, over the past five games, the Dallas Cowboys score more points than the Denver Broncos have for the entire season. Oh, well, that's a that's a fun fact. <laughs> yeah, so Denver's not going to score very much. Not gonna, they have a good defense, but I think at this point they're getting frustrated and not going to care as much. This is a double-digit blow for the Chiefs. That's just coming off a loss. Kansas City minus nine, pick two. Oh, I think that's a great pick. Uh, for, I really do feel bad for Denver fans. Yeah, they got screwed with Russell Wilson and Hackett. Yeah. All right, pick number three. This may be a little biased because I have Sunday Night Football interest here from my Jets playoff hopes. Dolphins laying three in Los Angeles against the Chargers here. I think this is a Charger team is slumping. They're not playing well. Miami's staying out west, so not really dealing with the travel situation next week. They played the okay in San Francisco. It was a struggle late here. Come back here. I just don't trust the Chargers. I think laying through the Dolphins is a value pick. I'm going to do that here. Hey, listen. I feel like I would agree. All right. So we're going to reset the board here for week 14. So here's what we got on the picks here. Sam took the Eagles laying six and a half against the Giants on Sunday. The 49ers laying three and a half at home against Tampa. And the Rams getting six at home against the Seahawks on Thursday night football. My pick against the Raiders, excuse me. My picks, Jets getting nine in Buffalo. Chiefs laying nine against the Broncos. Dolphins laying three against the uh, Los Angeles Chargers Sunday Night Football. Those are your picks for week number 14. And Sam, next week we're going to be joined by a good friend of ours from Iona. Martino Puccio is coming on the line. He would do the picks next week. Awesome. Martino can totally make fun of all my picks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's nice to get Martino during World Cup season. I know he's a very busy guy right now, but, like, he is. Say, how did you swing that? Oh, uh, like, we we had to work on some complicated schedule. It is on the book. It is on the books as of now. Man, I would love to talk to Martino about World Cup anything right now. Yeah, you know, Martino is, is actually on this episode earlier. We're, we're going to be talk. We talked some World Cup after the quarterfinal round here. So we're going to get get you ready for the uh, final eight. Oh, well, I'm very excited. I've been watching every match. Yeah. How did you feel about how the U.S. ended up here? Um, you know what, for they, I feel like they could have played a little bit better, better against the Netherlands, but the better team did win. So, yeah, it's just annoying. I do like this team. Like they, like Martinez said several times, they don't have a striker, which kind of hurts, which they don't have that number nine and they could probably use a better coach. No offense to Burhalter. Yeah. I mean, I'm just happy for the goalie, you know, yeah. being a Mac alum as yeah. well, you yeah. know, having him be on the worst, you know top what 10 plays yeah, yeah. on ESPN um my dad likes to mention that he's in that clip and I said nobody's watching you yeah. uh, <laughs> but I think uh you know for what they did they didn't make it last world cup they made it on through um I don't know I'm just really happy for them and especially host- Tyler Adams you yeah. know he's a Roy C. Ketchum alum so yeah. he's from Dutchess County so you know some New York pride Yep, and he, he we are hosting in 26. That's going to be a lot of fun when the World Cup comes here. And fun fact about that clip, did you see John Stanko's story about this clip? Yes. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Stanko, Stanko saying he almost ruined this guy's career. <laughs> yeah, so a little backstory here. At Iona, at Iona, the time Iona College, so, like, they have students film these games, like the like this for sports for, like, the ESPN, like, streams and whatnot. And that clip, which was at Iona, was filmed on camera by one John Stanko, friend of the podcast. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. I also like, you know, he's a walk on from Fairfield. Like he's, he's, it's like such a good story for him. Yeah. It's a good story for him. And so we'll get you back on the pocket a few weeks. You're going to make your annual appearance in the holiday special. We're going to talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. That's going to be fun. Yeah. I can't wait. Absolutely. People want to follow you on social media. How can they do that? Oh, you can follow me at SDeRosa175. Honestly, just Google Sam DeRosa. You'll find me. All right, Sam. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>
The two-minute drill. All right, two-minute drill time. We're getting towards the end of the year, which means we're getting close to the reveal of the Hall of Fame writers' ballots. That's coming next month. But last, we did get the various committee vote in, and they right now, what they've been doing the last few years, they rotate a group of players and errors they vote for to see from guys who would not get elected by the writers to pick who should be in the Hall of Fame. This group was the modern era. A lot of big names in the group. We had Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Don Mattingly, Kurt Schilling, among the people on the ballot. We got one player in here, Fred McGriff. Got all 16 votes he needed. 12, so good job, McGriff. The noteworthy thing here, Bonds and Clemens, both of them held out the writers for steroid issues. They only got four votes each. That bothers me. Is the idea they should be held the Hall of Fame for taking steroids and they were not even banned in the game until 2003 is absolutely ridiculous. The Hall of Fame is a museum. We are not asking you to be man of the year here. It's a museum that's tell the story of baseball. If I could argue the best hitter and the best pitcher with the live ball error not in there makes this a joke. This is even worse when you consider the story of David Ortiz, who, by the way, people seem to forget about this. He flunked a drug test during the survey of 2003. And what happened? He threw a big public fit about it, and then the media kind of swept under the rug. He sailed the Hall of Fame last year in the first ballot from the writers. Ortiz cheated. It's indisputable. He failed the test. He's in. Bonds and Clemens are not. That, my friends, is what we call a double standard. The reason David Ortiz is in and the other two guys are not, because the writers like David Ortiz. There's nothing wrong with that. He's a lovable guy. He's very jolly on his appearance on TV and in the, in the world. But if he is in, if he's in the hall, all the steroid guys should be in. It's that simple. It's not Slam Fred McGriff, by the way. It was a hall-worthy player who would have been elected by the writers, honestly, if he ended up with 500 homers instead of 493. This is a deal where I think this is back in the area. Oh, magic numbers. You got to have 500, you're in. 493, nope, not good enough. Simply put, the fact that these guys are being held out is embarrassing. For Hall of Fame members. The writers like to be sanctimonious holier than now at some points. These are actual Hall of Famers. You know it's like to play the game. They're supposed to respect the history of this game. I guess we shouldn't be surprised though. This is the same group that got Harold Baines the Hall of Fame a few years ago. Because his friends were on the Veterans Committee. Harold Baines a Hall of Famer. Barry Bonds, Roger Clones aren't. Make that make sense please. With that I'm going to end the show for the week. I want to thank my guest Martino Pucci for coming on to talk all about the World Cup. Also, Sam the Rosa coming on to do our NFL picks for week 14. We like working stuff like this podcast, including my thoughts on whether the Jets should come back to Queens, what New York State Center is trying to make it happen. I'll give you my thoughts on that. Check out the blog over at justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. That will do it for this week on the podcast. Coming up next week, we're going to talk some hot stove, winter means we'll see where the teams are at this point, do NFL picks and more. So I hope you have a better week than Giants fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.